1: Freedom Friday our alternative commentary on the stuff. Good night. <laughs> that's it. That is short and sweet. Short and sweet. That's that, it. That's right Miss Kapow.
0: All righty. Good Let's, night.
1: Thank you everybody for tuning in. We are going to talk about blood. We're going to talk about People of a different species. I'm not kidding you, man. We're going to talk about a specific person that you all know. <gasps> you all buy from his store. I just, yesterday, I just received some beautiful picture frames that I ordered from his store. That's right, Amazon. Jeff Bezos. He's not real. Uh, we're going to talk about some snowflakes taking finals in the universities because that's just fun. And then uh, Ted Bundy. Remember Ted Bundy, the serial killer? Well, his home, his childhood home that he grew up in has demons. No kidding. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to read about that. Regular people going, whoa, something's going on here. Let's not live in this home. Mm -hmm. So if you give a couple of scriptures, we'll get right on it, Ms. Capel.
0: Okay. I'm going to read from Isaiah 24, 1 through 6, that says, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty, and makes it waste, and turns it upside down, and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of Ushri, so with the giver of Ushri to him. And the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate, Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Then I go down to verse 17, and it says, Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit, and that he who cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down, the earth is clean dissolved, The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison, and after many days shall they be visited." Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before his ancients
1: gloriously. That's exactly what's going down. That's the path that's we're going down. That's what's going to happen, exactly. And um, so, these all the wicked on the earth—they're going to be punished. Sin will be punished. It there will be removed. There will be a time. That all that's going to uh, be thrown into the pit. Mm-hmm. All these leaders, all these um, watchers, these fallen ones, all these these secret Illuminati hybrids, naughty, 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 and they're they're gonna go. And the thing is, is that if you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ in a biblical manner, then you will be taken up and you finally rewarded for making it through the prison planet learning what you had to learn Mm -hmm. and only with your eyes, are you going to see the destruction in that case? You're just going to see it with your eyes. And then he's going to come back in a second coming. And after all this is destroyed, thrown into the lake of fire, he's going to start his perfect and righteous kingdom, which will last forever and ever and ever and never end. Amen. That's what we're looking forward to. So what does that have to do with Freedom Friday Alternative Commentary? Because it's an alternative commentary on the stuff that's going on, and that's our worldview. Hello. Hello. Knock, 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 knock. Let's talk about the crazies in the world, the influential demonic forces, the hybrid aliens, the fallen angels... This demonically infested, alien-controlled rock in prison that we are in right now. Here's some of the good stuff they're doing. This is from LewRockwell.com. And it's written by Joseph Mercola. He's a doctor.
0: A doctor? He's
1: a doctor. Dr. Mercola. I assume he's a medical doctor, but you never know. He could be a doctor of, I don't know, internet gaming. You just don't know. But he says, he writes this article, and I think he's for it. He's praising it. But I want to share it with you to show you that it's no good. No bueno. It's no good. It's like (laughs) poo-poo. It's like poo-poo on your hands. It's no good. You need to wash hands. He says, during the past 10 years or so, intriguing scientific studies on mice have suggested Mm. certain aspects of aging including brain function hmm. can be slow to reverse when older animals check this out folks da 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 I need a drum
2: roll
1: <laughs> and that was good <laughs> when older animals receive blood from younger ones okay those people listening you're already like going okay I know where you're going with this man Blood from younger ones. Mice seem to benefit older mice benefit from young blood. Mm-hmm. A common technique used in such studies is called parabiosis. Parabiosis. It's the process through which the circulatory systems of lab mice are surgically conjoined. Or check this out, a co-mingling of their blood. Mm. Can you dig it, folks? You hear where I'm going with this? Co-mingling their blood? The mixing. Yes. Surgically conjoined in studies dating from the 1950s. Mm. Blood from young mice seemed to have a rejuvenating effect on older mice. So if he'll do that to mice, what is it going to do to George Soros? Mm-hmm. What is it going to do to Henry Kissinger, who's 93 years old, by the way, sitting in the White House with Donald Trump? The guy mm-hmm. never dies. Well, you know, there's a,
0: there's a woman, and I think she lives in England, and she um, does this plasma. She mixes this plasma with stuff, blood plasma, right? Mm-hmm. And she actually makes a, um, a facial moisturizer, you know, that costs like $8,000, you know, for a little tube or whatever. But these celebrities seem to have bought into that. And so they pay her a lot of money to have blood plasma mixed into, you know, for their skin,
1: that youthful look. I think it's something the elites are doing a lot Mm -hmm. uh, that you don't know about, but I think they're, they're messing around a lot with, with young blood and doing stuff like that. Totally demonic. So why, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an elite, or you're a celebrity, or you're a high-ranking politician, you've already sold your soul. Or that's why you got to the place you are. Or a high-ranking CEO, a billionaire. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just obvious stuff. Now, um, you you got there because you had to. Uh, you have to serve somebody. Right? That's right. Most recently, researchers have attempted to isolate proteins in human blood plasma. Now, they may be responsible for improving brain function in old mice. Mm -hmm. In 2016, at least two startup clinics were launched in the United States to bring the concept of young blood to human beings through pay-to-participate clinical trials, mainly as a proposed anti-aging strategy, but also in hopes of counteracting chronic disease. So we... Yeah.
0: You know, I've always wondered, you know, when you go to the doctor and they always take your blood yeah. and they always take so much of it. And you're thinking, really, you're taking that much just to check it for whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They take what two vials and then, you know, maybe four. I don't know. They they take quite a they, bit. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And then especially when you're young, they take a lot of blood. Then When you get older, they're like, oh, we just need a finger prick from you. <laughs> no <old> blood. here." <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? I'm I'm laughing, but you never know, you know. No, wh- what wh- I've what always doing. wondered
0: why do they, why do they need that?
1: Yeah, especially from young people. Mm-hmm. At one such clinic in Monterey, California, go figure, California. Mm-hmm. Tell me it isn't true. They're called Ambrosia. Gee, you if you're 35 or older, you can pay eight thousand dollars to receive an infusion of 1.5 liters of plasma from a donor between the ages of 16 and 25. See that? Wow. And then there's a note here. It says these infusions do not involve actual parabiosis. That's when you're surgically commingled. Your systems are surgically commingled. Obviously, probably the 16 to 25-year-old person donating their blood probably wouldn't be very happy about surgically being commingled with (laughs) Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Uh, PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel, you know, he's just really into living forever. This poor bastard.
0: Well, he's afraid of dying.
1: Oh gosh. And he should be poor bastard. All that money. He's just going to die. He's uh, one of the prominent personalities fueling the buzz around how blood transfusions may help fight aging it's reportedly that he's expressed interest in ambrosia and he finds the mice studies to be really interesting. Of Mm -hmm. course. So anyway, while the results with mice related to infusion of young blood have demonstrated positive outcomes relating to memory and improvements, stuff like that. The question yet to be answered is how might this practice transfusing blood from the young to the old benefit human beings, and you know they've been doing this. Of course, they did. There was a study in 2017 published in Nature that presents evidence that a protein found in human blood plasma from the young people helps improve brain function in old mice. Mm. Mm. For see, now they're they're taking blood from human, a young human, and putting it in an old old mouse. For decades, uh, that's called a Democrat, by the way. <laughs> um, for decades, scientists have posited that young blood can reverse the symptoms of aging, such as loss of memory and reduction in muscle function and meta- metabolism. And previous studies, using mouse to mouse transfers of young blood have demonstrated its rejuvenating properties on older mice mm. Uh, but now they're suggesting for the first time a human blood protein has been shown to trigger similar anti-aging effects in older mice. So now they're going human to mice, human to mice. Now there's two U.S.-based companies. They've both launched clinical trials in an attempt to bring this research on human subjects. In those trials, elderly people, 35 and older, because <laughs> you're old if you're 35 or if you're 36, yep. elderly people receive blood from younger adult donors. After which physical qualities in the older adults are evaluated for potential improvements. It's mm. pretty scary. If I was uh, 25 and um, younger, I'd be like like really watching my back. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? You wake up and not only your kidneys gone, but half your blood's gone. You know what I mean?
0: Well, there was an article years ago that we read that that's what usually happens. People miss organs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wake up. It's a foreign country you know and your I mean? kidney's gone. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a shock. Hey, why does that hurt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it, it goes on and on. But here, here's another little um, a little thing that they're doing. They're messing with babies. Yeah. Blood from human umbilical cords mm-hmm. seem to have the most dramatic effects. How young do you got to see the younger the blood, probably the better? Of course, yeah. California's Stanford University School of Medicine demonstrated human blood plasma can improve the memory and learning abilities of older mice, and their test involved infusing, infusing plasma from the umbilical cord of newborn babies into the veins of elderly mice.
0: That's gross. Wow.
1: So improved brain function due to the plasma infusion the mice were able to, for example navigate mazes they uh they were able to knit they were able to surf the internet and watch netflix and they wrote a couple of songs and produced some movies on youtube these are just the mice so that's pretty smart mice i made that up (laughs) because several behavioral and biological characteristics of mice closely resemble those of humans it may also follow that young blood especially from babies might boost cognitive ability in older humans. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So you see where you're going with this. Now, this is the same as eating blood. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. It's it's something that's forbidden. God for, forbade it. Life is in the blood. There's a reason. It's demonic. Cannibalism. Blood eating is something that the hybrid angel human hybrid nephilim fallen angels the giants this is part of their characteristics as well as homosexuality mm-hmm. it's something they did so when you see this happening you know it's the same spirit infusing that human mm-hmm. making this technology so there see, are... it really
0: is the spiritual manifesting in the physical world
1: it, it really is if you uh, got your
0: eyes open you'll you can see it
1: yeah absolutely it's like paul says uh, you know Uh, there's principalities and powers of the air, and that's what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's some scriptures against this. And I think the
0: the first one is in Genesis nine and it says, uh, four and five, it says, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat? And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast. Will I require it? And at the hand of man and at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man? Then we go to Deuteronomy and uh, Deuteronomy twelve twenty three that says, "Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh." And then in Leviticus seven ten through fourteen, it says, "And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel." or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eats any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eats blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood and whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you which hunts and catches any beast or fowl that may be eaten he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust for it is the life of all flesh the blood of it is for the life thereof therefore i said unto the children of Israel he shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof whosoever eats it shall be cut off and the last one is an axe 1529, it says that ye shall abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, ye shall do well.
1: And that was to the new uh, Gentile church. Mm-hmm. When uh, the Judaizers were trying to get them to circumcise and do all this stuff under the law, and they were saying, These, these are the four things you need to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things is abstain from blood. You know, yet the scriptures you read mention life in the blood, life in the blood several times. And, you know, when Patrick Meekin was doing his show with us a few years ago and he would talk about his book, 225th Street, and he'd talk about this haunting and um, how he discovered that there was um, there was a murder in the basement. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the blood and that even though you clean up that blood or wipe it off, there's life in the blood. And there's remnants. In the fact, that one of the last stories we'll do today is we're going to talk about Ted Bundy's home, the serial killer Ted yeah. Bundy. <clears throat> and I honestly believe these places are demonically haunted because of the blood, the blood that spilled. That's why God specifically says, you know, if you kill an animal, you, know, you don't eat it. That The blood, you, you pour it in the ground and bury it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's real reasons for that. And the life is in the blood, and it was given for a sacrifice or an offering to put on the altar for to atone for sins for ancient Israel. So what I see today with this, this blood infusion and young blood, I, I see a vampirism, number one, I see a cannibalism also, but I see a false worship. I see a false altar, mm-hmm. a sacrifice to a demonic Satan, to a God that's not the creator God. And also mm-hmm. and ultimately to yourself because you want to live forever and be young and all this stuff. That's what I see in that. I see it very bad. hmm Okay. That's my alternative commentary on that. Right, Mr. Fran? Yeah, sure. So let's you know when we're talking about these people and these scientists and these doctors who come up with this weird stuff. You know they're demonically influenced. That's the zeitgeist. It's the spirit of the age. Especially the way we live now. We're so close to the precipice of of it all ending. But you do have these hybrid people out there. You know they were indigo children, or you know they, they're hybrid people. They're they're mixed in. They're not just demon possessed. You have that, but you have they're mixed. They're they're mixed aliens. <laughs> I'm serious. They're they're not they're not normal. They're not right. And they're given great success and they're given great, great wealth. And they become kings of the earth because they sell out to the agenda they need to sell out to. Mm -hmm. And one of these guys is even recognized by his peers as being a different species. And um, I know it was just, it's a term that they're using, but there's a spiritual aspect to this. And this is from the Business Insider Written May 6th of this year by Bob Bryan. And he says, Jeff Bezos is a different species. Buffett and Munger praises Bezos and Amazon. But I, it just that headline really got to me when I read that. Mm-hmm. The other reptilians, the other hybrids, the other wealthy of the earth are praising this guy as being a different species. Even different than he is. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are big fans of Jeff Bezos, and it, if you've seen pictures of Jeff Bezos, look at this guy's eyes.: I know it. I mean,
0: that's a dead giveaway. But and tell
1: And tell me that this guy is, is a human, normal. I mean, his eyes are bizarre. His whole head is bizarre. Mm-hmm. His, the way his face looks and everything. It's just he's kind of scary looking. Yeah it really is, but his eyes are just wow. I mean, he looks like he's crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, he's not. I mean, he's he's put there. He's got he's like the second wealthiest man in the in the world, uh, right under Bill Gates. Anyway, at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, the legendary investors praised the Amazon CEO, saying that his ability to grow Amazon's business. While running other projects like the Washington Post and Blue Origin was incredible. Now, Blue Origin is something he started in secret, and it's a rocket company. He wants, he's, once again, he's one of these guys who want to leave the planet for some reason. Hmm. (laughs) Jeff Bezos is a different species. Munger said he called him a different species. Now, you know, most people would read that and go, yeah, I understand what he's saying. he's saying, he's not saying he's a different species, but he's like, well, he's really good. And so he's way out there. He's a beast. He's an animal, right? Mm -hmm. I just think the language is interesting. Buffett said that Bezos has built Amazon into a dual threat as an amazing online retailer, also a burgeoning dominance of its cloud computing business. And, um, He also says he's just great at the non Amazon projects and stuff Mm -hmm. that he's just, you know, just everything he touched. He just boom. And Buffett joked about um, not having faith in Bezos early on. And he missed out on the stocks. Meteoric rise. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is Warren Buffett saying that. So, you know, I I read that and you go, okay, Brother Capel. okay, you see you see weird stuff, whatever, whatever. But let's let's look at Bezos a little closer. Let's just look at something here. Um, I'm going to go to, this is CNBC. Okay. This is mainstream media, CNBC. So this ain't some blogger or somebody sitting around in his mom's basement thinking about conspiracies or, you know, some weird dude in Mesquite, Nevada with a (laughs) podcast. (laughs) This is CNBC and the title of this article, and this was written, uh, in March of this year. And the title of this article is this, this is how Jeff Bezos became the second richest man on the planet by uh, Marguerite Ward. All right. So there's nothing spiritual in here, but we want to look at this. She writes that Jeff Bezos, the founder of, and CEO of Amazon is now the second Richard richest person on the planet. And on Wednesday, his personal fortune jumped to seventy five point six billion. Wow! He, I, I can't even seventy five point six billion. Mm. He eclipsed uh, Warren Buffett, and he's only second to Bill Gates. Um. And they say there's no playbook for becoming one of the world's richest individuals. Bezos career has been marked by risk taking and learning from failure. And that sheds light on his success. They said after graduating from Princeton, he joined a startup and then worked on wall street before he quit against the advice of everybody. And he took a dive into what was called the internet back then. In the mm-hmm. years that followed Bezos launched Amazon, the source of his incredible wealth. Um, uh, but let's, the, this, in fact, this article that I'm reading has this really, really neat uh, timeline of Jeff Bezos and his family and everything. And I found it very interesting. So I don't want to bore you with this, but I, I just want to point some key things out that you might just be interested in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Him being a different species. Okay. Um, he's born in 64. So he's <laughs> born in 64. Okay, uh, there's two high school students meet. Jackie becomes pregnant. That's his mom, Jackie. She's 16. She meets a guy named Ted. He's 18. And then January 12th, 1964, Jeffrey Preston Jorgensen is born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, that's not his parents. That's his grandparents. And then... Uh, this Jeffrey Preston Jorgensen is born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm. And then on grandpa's ranch, um, wait, no, wait, you know, I'm all messed up. Let me read this timeline again. That is, that is Jeff. Okay. (laughs) Jackie's mom, Ted, Jeff born in 64 on grandpa's ranch. Jeff learns to work with hands. So he's working. And then Jackie marries a Cuban immigrant, Miguel Bezos, and they adopt Jeff. Oh. Okay. They adopt Jeff. All right. Uh, so I don't know what happened to to Ted. Ted's gone. He's the real father. But this Cuban immigrant named uh, Miguel adopts Jeff. So then uh, later on, the unicyclist husband drinks. Jackie leaves him. Uh... At age five, Jeff watches Apollo 11. He wants to be an astronaut. Interesting. Uh, age eight, parents worry he's too bookish. They want him to play football. And uh, then the mother persuades the school to take Jeff into the gifted kids program early. Hmm. And 19, so he's kind of a bookish uh, nerdy guy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, unlike regular kids. 82, he goes to Princeton. He becomes Vela Victorian. He's very smart. Age 10... At age 10, I'm sorry, timeline is weird. I'm sorry, timeline is weird. I'm kind of messing things up. At age 10, he learns that Miguel is not his biological father. Then it becomes Vela Victorian High School. Then he goes to Princeton. (laughs) That makes sense, right? He studies physics, but he he doesn't like it. He graduates in computer science and electrical engineering. And he wants to start a company, uh, but joins a startup instead. And then in '88 he starts a business. He wants to, but then he gets another job on Wall Street. In '89 he f- co-founds a fax newsletter startup. He fails to raise money. In '93 he marries a coworker next door. And then in '94 he realizes the internet grew two thousand three hundred percent a year. And here's where it all starts for him. Mm. He comes up with an idea for everything stored during a brainstorming with boss, a guy named David Shaw. And then doing commerce over the internet is still illegal, but about to change. So isn't that interesting that something was illegal at the time, but he's like, hmm, let's get into this. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's guiding this guy. And then he makes a list of 20 types of things to sell, and then he decides to pick books. The boss reminds him that he has a really good job and a bonus, but the parents advice. Also against him quitting Wall Street. Hmm. But he quits his job. He goes to Seattle. And now check this out, folks. In July 5th, 1994, he calls the original company that's now Amazon. He calls his company Cadabra Uh Incorporated. Cadabra. Do I need to go into the history of Abracadabra? Mm -hmm. It's It's a magical spell. Somewhere along the line, Jeff Bezos... Has made a pact saying, if you will make me successful, if you will make my company successful, if you'll give me wealth, I will give you my soul and I will do whatever you have me do as an agenda. Mm -hmm. And I'll sell whatever I need to sell or whatever. And I'm not, folks, believe me, I use Amazon all the time. Like I said, yesterday, I just received some beautiful picture frames I ordered from Amazon. I will continue to use Amazon. I live in a fallen world. Don't matter. I'm not going to be here. I live in a fallen world. It's a prison planet. That's like me being in prison refusing to eat what the warden, you know, serves for lunch.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I got no, I got no choice about that. I got no say so about that. I'm just pointing out wh- where we live and what, what goes on. So he calls his company Cadabra on July 5th, 1994. Now remember, now his peers are calling him a different species now. <laughs> So over the phone, he says, well, it sounds like cadaver. I don't know. And so he renames it Amazon. And now I'm going to go into some of that weird history about that, too. But anyway, his parents, <clears throat> his parents did invest 100K. And then they had let her invest another 145K more. So they had to see something coming. Right. Then he, he, uh, he, he, like, he takes like a three-day book class, a book selling class. I'm not kidding you. A three-day class on learning how to sell books. <laughs> so it's almost like everything
0: was laid out for him. Everything was planned. You got to do this first, then this. Then yeah. That.
1: And then in his garage, he works with his wife. He gets two programmers. He puts in his own $10,000. But his parents, remember, invest hundred grand. They yeah. had to see something in this. And then he launches Amazon in 1995. And he doesn't physically stock any books. And, and then he hacks the system. He orders one book that he needs, and then nine rare books he knew can't ship, so he gets a bulk order of 10. You know, he's pretty smart. He raises $1 million. Well, first, first he starts packing hundreds of books by hand. And then in 95, he tries to raise money, predicting $74 million in sales by 2000. But the actual net sales would be 1.64%. Billion.
2: Mm,
1: Wow. And then he raises 1 million from angel investors and family. You get it from angel investors and family. These are people. You don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. They're giving him millions of dollars
0: (laughs) because they can see he makes money. Yeah.
1: His own parents invested 245 K before he even launched it. And in 95, he raises more money than expected. Um in 96 Barnes & Noble CEO threatens to crush Amazon in 97 he speaks to a Harvard B school class they advise him to sell Amazon in 98 he meets two graduate students who just founded Google and then he invests in them hmm. Sergey and Larry Uh in in uh, 1997 he takes Amazon public in 97, Barnes & Noble sues sues them. In 98, he burns $170 million buy-in jungly, a price comparison site. He tries to take down eBay, launching Amazon's actions, auctions, but he fails at that. He gets a patent for one click in 99. And then in 2000, in 2000 he secretly founded Blue Origin. It's a rocket company. Hmm secretly uh, apparently in 2000 top executives meet secretly to make a list of his failures and in 2000 he loses hundreds of millions when his investments go bust but in 2001 he meets costco ceo and decides to copy his low price logic he insists on free shipping uh, he does all this stuff and then in 2003 he starts building rockets that can land virtually, ver- vertically. Mm. In two thousand four, he sets up a secret lab to make an e-reader based on the Innovator's Dilemma book. He tries <laughs> to do jewelry, doesn't uh, work. In two thousand three, he got injured in a helicopter crash. In two thousand five, he launches Prime Delivery program. Uh, he he starts two thousand six cloud computing. He launches Kindle e-reader in 07. Now remember, we have a lot of books on Kindle. All our books are on Kindle, and and uh, what three of them are, three are paperback. Mm-hmm. But they're you know they're all in Kindle. We all started with you know Kindle e-reader. He buys the Washington Post in twenty thirteen. Um, he he had a fight with Steve Jobs Jobs over the um, e-books, and in twenty ten the e-book sells for surpassed paper book. Sales. I think that's reversing now, but at one one point they did. Um, And now in 2013, he's promising 30 minute delivery over the air using drones. Well, everything he's predicted has really come to pass. So I can see see how we know
0: all that stuff, right? I know.
1: And like everything he's touched, for the most part, does really well. And in November 2015, he successfully landed a rocket back from space to a launch pad so he's really really you know into this space thing too it's it's just interesting in light of what his peers have said these a different species now this is something that's not mainstream media this is from a blog spot called the open scroll so you may or may not believe anything this person writes and he might just be a conspiratorial nut but let me just see what he says He's talking about Amazon here and he's talking about the logo, Amazon.com. And you know, there's a, a arrow that goes from the A to the Z and, um, and underneath has a tagline and you're done. And so what he says, um, that the company, Amazon's the largest retailer in the U S and that's true. Their logo and tagline seem simple enough. The arrow points from A, a to Z, in an obvious reference to their vast range of products. The tagline, and you're done, it means, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. And then he states the company began under the name Kadabra Incorporated, clearly referencing Abracadabra. The word is well known, magical associations that go way back in history. Alistair Crowley updating it with the change of one letter declared that Abrahadabra is the establishment of the pillar of phallus of the macrocosm in the void of the microcosm. Hmm. Whatever the heck that means. <laughs> but we know it's bad. We're talking about sex magic spell, is what the blogger says. It has historically been linked to healing, but the greater sign- signification appears to be a healing from death as a mm. regeneration. The Osiris Isis Horus transformation. So when founder Jeff Bezos swapped that name for Amazon, do you suppose he abandoned the sex magic, trading it for the mere name of a Big River? Probably not. His giant Amazon.com is a commerce site. He's identifying with Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, the great city, blah blah blah. And he mm-hmm. goes on. Um, he also says that the flesh colored arrow with its suggestive stylized head belongs to the beast. He's talking um phallic symbol. Mm-hmm. The beast phallus appears under the word Amazon because, as Revelation 17 3 declares, a woman was seen sitting on the beast. On, like Amazon, the Z Mm. under which the glands appear, stand for Zeus, like with Verizon's called out Z. The arrow extends out from the letter A, which stands for Apollo. Mm. The phallus is his. As the name Amazon comes from the Greek, the Greek names of the gods Zeus and Apollo are appropriately referenced. Apollo is Horus and his Egyptian alias. The arc formed by the arrow suggests the elliptical shape of the eye and is sun-colored. It's the eye of Horus, another phallic eye variant that explains why the registered trademark symbol is included. It's a dim left eye added to create an instance of harmatory of Horus who rules over two eyes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's quite quite the analysis here. Uh, this blogger says Amazon's making a blasphemous statement and casting a spell of adulterous and idolatrous sorcery. And mm. you be the judge of that. $76 billion. <laughs> uh,
0: that's a lot of money. I and mean, even if you were <laughs> to spend, 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 there's no way that you could spend all that no. in your lifetime.
1: No. Uh-oh. No. No. Um, He says another allusion to the sun appears on the Amazon.com branding in the on was a city in Egypt where the sun was worshiped. This guy goes through some great lengths, breaking everything down. I, I think the bottom line is his peers are calling him another species. And I just think that's something to be aware of.
0: I think so. When you're when you're. Because it's not human. No. It's not natural. No.
1: I should say. Mm-mm. I really don't believe so. So let's move on from that. I think everybody's asleep now going, hey,
2: This was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: How about some snowflakes? That's snow never boring. Flakes. It's never boring. Talk about snowflakes. We Ms. need fast. snowflakes. Poor Snowflakes. This is um, higher education. The CollegeFix. dot com. Jeremy Beeman writes: Therapy dogs, chocolate, Play-Doh. Universities offer ways to cope with finals and
0: video games. Hello.
1: Oh, video games. I'm sorry. Today's college students are offered a variety of ways to cope with stress The final exams.
0: I wish we had that when I was going to school. I, I could use some chocolate.
1: I know. I could have used a therapy dog. I would like to pet a puppy. No. At the University of Pennsylvania, several different student groups offered various study breaks, including a Zuba class, the video game stress reliever, and a chocolate and chocolate labs event.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, of course, they wouldn't respond to college fix requests. An annual tradition at the University of Illinois offers students a reading day in place of classes. And Penn State's De-Stress Fest included origami folding, Wii gaming, and brain massage music. The University of Michigan offered Play-Doh and more in an event billed as a way to distress before final exams. Other relaxers at the event included glitter bottles, Legos, and Domino's at Temple University. It's student activities group put together an all-inclusive camping event called Camp 2. Students had the chance to participate in de-stressing activities by zip lining, scaling a rock wall, watching a movie Anchorman or eating from one of the seven food trucks.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, this one guy says it's a great opportunity for students to enjoy the spring weather and have fun with their friends prior to finals week. The second benefit is that we partner with a class in the school of sport, tourism, and hospitality management so that those students gain some practical event planning experience. The event went very well, by the way, while we don't have an exact total, we are estimating around 2000 students. I can say with certainty that students had a lot of fun. If having fun helped them relieve some stress or unwind a bit. That's great, too, he said. I I would think that the real success marker here would, how do they do on the exams? Uh, I think that would tell you if that worked or not. Students at Montana State University were invited to the library to distress by playing with furry friends, therapy dogs, uh, a group of dogs, a 900-pound donkey named Oliver. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see, students were encouraged to place a marker on a large board to show their level of stress ranked 1 to 5 before Petty Day Animals. On their way in, students tended to rank themselves a 4 or 5. On the way out, students seemed more at ease, giving themselves a 1 or 2. Once again, I want to know how they did on the test. That's a marker of whether all this nonsense works or not. Hope College and St. Cloud University also offer dog de-stress therapy. St. Cloud noting the event is not just for students. Counseling and psychological services says the dog distress event is open to students, faculty, and staff. Mm-hmm. Now I want to know who's going to distress these poor dogs after all these snowflakes and idiots are running. I know. Them.
0: See that's why I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the dog thing because I'd be so worried about the dog and you know how people touch it and no. See no. I would need I would need the chocolate to stre- to for my stress.
1: Yeah, but then you're going to gain weight because you ate all the chocolate, and then that's going to stress you out. And then you're not going to know whether you're stressed out because of the finals or because of the chocolate weight. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen. And then me, I'll tell you exactly what happened to me. I would choose the Play-Doh. There you go. And then, and
0: then you could eat it. I would be eating the
1: Play-Doh, yeah. And it looks like food. I would be making, like, burgers and little steaks out of it. I'd be eating the Play-Doh, putting it up my nose and in my ears. They would rush me to the hospital. I'd be stressed out and I'd fail my final exam. So I know. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay, one last thing before we say goodnight, everybody. You know what? I got to take a commercial break. Then we say goodnight. Oh, okay. Okay. Commercial break at one forty-five, forty-five 45 minutes and 39 seconds. <laughs>
0: The Kapow Radio Show Network. Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Kapow is sponsored by Fifth Hook Media, a digital publisher of eBooks. FifthHookMedia.com has a selection of eBooks about spiritual warfare and Christian living. Visit
2: FifthHookMedia.com. That's F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K Media.com. Remember, that's media.com F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K. Kapow!
0: What's up, yo? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm done, you. Demons in My Marriage Bed from all online digital retailers, such as Amazon.com. Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. Please do not be fooled that such things cannot happen to you. Rather, get prepared and become the spiritual warrior needed to overcome in these perilous times in which we
1: all live. We're back. <laughs> okay. Some spooky things are happening at serial killer Ted Bundy's childhood home, Ms. Kamau. Mm-hmm. Tacoma, Washington. Unexplainable things happened in a Tacoma house where serial killer Ted Bundy grew up. So many things, in fact, that a contractor hired to remodel the home, penciled Bible scriptures on the walls, mm-hmm. and brought in two pastors to bless the house. The contractor did this, so he must he must know something about something. Yeah. He says, well, maybe not. Here's his quote. I'm not one to believe a lot of this stuff, but this house made me a believer, said Mm. Casey Clumpton, the contractor. Wow. Wow. He put Bible scriptures and called in some pastors. A cry for help appeared on a window as crew members worked in the basement. Heavy furniture wedged into a wall toppled over. Doors and cabinets seemed to open by themselves. There's a picture of the house. It looks, a- it looks really nice.
0: Yeah, especially inside. I like how the, mm-hmm. you know, that big window. Yeah. And the kitchen overlooks that.
1: We should buy it. No, thanks. We should buy it and do a Kapow radio show in there. <laughs> it all started in September when David Throng bought the 1,400-square-foot home with plans to redo and flip it. He didn't research its history, stupid David Throng. So he didn't know the local lore who had lived there. The Little Blue House was built in 1946, the same year Bundy was born. The Bundy family moved into the home in 1955. Mm-hmm. Louis Bundy was no longer living there in 1989 when her 42-year-old son was executed in Florida That's after sad. being convicted of killing two sorority sisters and a 12-year-old girl. Investigators linked him to at least 30 slayings, though they believe there were dozens more. His killing spree started in 74 in Washington and continued for years across 11 states. He was a major, he was a major killer. Mm -hmm. Um, Bundy was nine when his family moved into the four bedroom, one and one half bath house. Neighbors recall him as having a bedroom on the ground floor, though at least one record indicates his room was on the foot of the stairs in the basement. He lived there with his mother, stepfather and four siblings Uh, One neighbor says, I don't ever remember seeing Ted. She grew up a few houses down. She recalls playing with Bundy's younger sisters and Louise Bundy babysitting her. Once she went to their house, but was told to stay out of Ted's bedroom because he had the measles. The
0: measles, yeah. Yeah, They said they
1: were a really nice family. Bundy insisted he grew up in a wonderful home with two dedicated, loving parents. Louise Bundy was a staunch defender of her eldest son and long insisted he was innocent but her stance softened after he made several death row confessions.
0: Mm, that's sad.
1: Yeah, it is. In his final interview with a psychologist just before he was executed, Bundy said his family regularly attended church and believed his violence stemmed from an obsession with pornography that fueled dark fantasies. Yeah, There I you have
0: that. it. There is always <clears throat> something.
1: Yeah, there you have it, folks. And anyway, it goes on and on, but the house is haunted, all kinds of weird stuff going on, and um, they're trying to flip it and sell it, so uh, good luck. Good luck with that. (laughs) All right, even though no murders happened in the house, can you imagine the spiritual darkness? Oh, yeah. So, fueled by dark fantasies of... (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Almost I die. <laughs> I gotta end say night,
0: ciao babies. <laughs>